Welcome to Friends with Health Benefits, a podcast by Mothership made for parents and caregivers, where health expert parents share advice, stories, and resources. I'm Martella Esposito, founder of Mothership, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing credible, relatable, and empathetic health resources to parents. Welcome to our inaugural episode, where we meet Joanne Philman, mom of four and nutrition expert. Welcome, Joanne. We're so excited that you are spending time with us today to share your experiences in your life that have shaped your work as a nutrition expert and your approach to using food as a tool for healing and gut health. And you have so many great resources like your podcast and your YouTube channel that we'll talk about as well. But first, let's start with what inspired you to go into the nutrition field? Well, (laughs) so (laughs) I grew up with my mom and my dad being culinary trained. So my dad actually... um, was a French chef growing up. So he, you know, did it as a career. My mom went to culinary school for fun and she, you know, you're a, you're a lucky person. I I, I am. I am. I mean, we had some good food growing up. We had some really good food. And the thing is that, you know, um, with my, me being Haitian American, you know, I was originally born in Haiti. I was raised here in the United States. The flavor of food was like an Afro French, um, you know, kind of, uh, flavorings that, you know, were happening in the kitchen at my house growing up. And with me at home now with my kids and my husband, I got the American side in it because I'm Americanized. My parents weren't Americanized. They stuck with the, the foods that they knew, <laughs> but you know, I've Americanized things. So I got that Afro Haitian French American type stuff going on in my kitchen. Sounds wonderful. Right. It's real. I mean, it is. It is. It is. And so, you know, (laughs) being raised in that kind of household gave me a passion for food. And I've always had a passion for food. Now, I always thought that I was going to go into medicine. I uh, my intentions were to go to medical school. And if you know um, of any Caribbean families out there, you know that they only know of doctors, lawyers, engineers, and nursing as um, official degrees to get. Anything else is like, wh- what is that? I don't know. What, <laughs> where are you going? You, you, you need to stick to the four, the four, you know, that we know about. So my intentions were to go to med school. And I was, I was um, in fact, pre-med exercise science at Florida State. And so when I got there, they required me to take dietetics courses and I was like, dietetics, like, what is that dietitian? I didn't even know what that field was. And when I found that it was like the merge, like of my two passions of food and medicine, I was like, oh my goodness, this is where I'm doing. This is where I'm going. <laughs> and my parents were like, uh, no, you're not. Finish your pre-med route. You're going to med school. But I mean, that was a battle that I fought and I won, obviously. I'm a registered dietitian now. And my parents were so happy that I ended up going this route because they see, you know, how how important it is to be an expert in nutrition as I am. And so that's pretty much what got me into the field. Like my love of medicine 
and food merged together. Sounds perfect. So why do you do what you do? Why why be a dietitian? So, I mean, aside from the fact that I have the love of the food and the nutrition, I really believe of the I believe in, I should say, the medicinal properties of foods. Now, this is not to say that I believe and I'm telling people that food is medicine. Medicine is medicine. People need medication, and I'm not saying medication is bad to take. What I'm saying is that there are medicinal properties in food um, where, and food can be, can lead you to a bad side or a good side where you eat too much um, crap. Can I say that? (laughs) Yeah, you can. And you end up with, you know, diabetes and hypertension, obesity, and all that stuff. And, And then there's a good side where when you're eating, you know, good quality food, your, you know, your body is balanced and, you know, it's getting the stuff that it needs to get to do what it needs to do. And, you know, I do believe in that. And even growing up in my background has a Haitian American, you know, my parents had all kinds of everything in the backyard. You would go, something was hurting. Um, you know, you were like, you have a stomach ache and they go in the background yard, grab some leaves and they knew what to do. That's really interesting. So you knew that food could be healing from a young age and food's medicinal properties have been a big motivation for your work. So what does what does that look like for you in practice today? So in 2013, I got sick. I didn't know what was going on. I had abdominal pain when I ate certain foods. I would um, have joint issues. I was always tired, um, you know, I went to the doctor. They finally discovered that I had H. pylori, which is a bacterial infection. Don't know how I got it. Maybe overseas. We travel a lot, my husband and I back then. And so um, it basically jacked up my stomach and caused me to have a lot of pain. And before we found this out, the doctors, you know, they thought I had lupus. They thought I had rheumatoid arthritis. They tested me for all these things. Thank God that these Um, different conditions have um, DNA markers that they can test you for to see if you are indeed like um, have a probability of having this disease or the condition and mine came back negative so for me prior to this going through the don't know what what it was that was making me sick and really after the H. pylori the H. pylori you know I had to get like really strong antibiotics to kill the bacteria, and that did even more damage to my stomach, which led to more food intolerances and food sensitivities that I developed that I never had before. And, you know, the doctors, they really didn't know what to do because in their minds, you know, we've never seen, um, you know, when I would tell them, because I was already a dietitian, I would tell them, I think this has a lot to do with the foods that I'm eating. They would say, there's nothing in the literature that is, you know, supporting what I'm saying. And I was like, well, I mean, so even if it's not in the literature, I'm telling you as a professional that when I drink milk or when I eat certain carbohydrates, my stomach is in knots, my stomach is in pain and, you know, this and that is going on. And so I just started doing research myself and I ended up finding out, um, you know, I, I, I basically didn't have time to do the traditional elimination diets that we as dietitians would do because I was I had a busy life. I had kids already. I was married. And so I... And can you share a little bit about what an elimination diet is? 
Okay, so an elimination diet is basically where we eliminate certain foods that we think may be causing the symptoms that a person is having. And it's kind of like, um, what is it, like throwing darts in the dark, like not knowing exactly which is what, but you're guessing. And it can, can sometimes takes, you know, it can sometimes take a long time to be able to decipher which foods are the exact culprits that are causing the triggers um, that the person, you know, is experiencing. And so because of that, I just didn't have the time to do that. And I had just started my practice, my private practice. And so I started doing research myself and I found a, a test that, you know, I could use. It was a blood test that I could use to be able to create a therapy to heal myself. And I was trained in that, um, therapy and I basically became my first patient and I healed myself. I reversed my symptoms. My doctors were amazed. And since then, I've not only been practicing general nutrition, which is what I was intentionally wanting to do, but I focus a lot on food sensitivities and food intolerances or food intolerances. Um, people use those terms interchangeably um, in my practice. So I do a lot of gut health, a lot of IBS, a lot of Crohn's disease, a lot of you know, autoimmune conditions, anti-inflammatory therapies is what I like to call them. So that's why I do what I do. I got there because of me being my own patient and wanting to not have others deal with what I have to deal with. And, you know, funny thing is one of my kids, he ended up having food intolerances as well. And if I, I can imagine being a mom and not a dietitian, not knowing how to help your baby. I mean, it is heart wrenching even with me having the expertise that I have. So I can only imagine a mom going through this with their kid, having pain all the time and not being able to treat them or knowing how to treat them. And you were able to treat yourself as, as a patient through food. I was, 100% I was able to do it a hundred percent through food. Initially, you know, the doctors gave me medicine and he was like, you know, I'm going to give you this medication. I'm not sure if it's going to work. Um, as a matter of fact, I was breastfeeding at the time and I asked him, you know, is this going to cross, you know, the, the breast milk, you know, I don't want my baby to be getting this. And he's like, it's new medication. There's not even any studies out there that would even tell me if, um, it can harm your baby. And I was like, eh, no, thank you. <laughs> We're not going to do that. <laughs> so, um, I, I stopped, I didn't take the medication and I just did it with foods. It was a process of elimination, but I knew exactly what to eliminate and what to keep in the therapy that I designed for myself. And so with that, within a matter of 14 days, I was symptom free, but my, the therapy, how it's how it created 14 days, 14 days, I was 14. symptom free. I didn't have any pain in my symptom stomach, free. Wow. the joints, you know, my joints used to be so swollen in my, my wrist and in my neck, I couldn't turn it. All that was reversed. And with the therapy, how the th therapy is designed, you know, you continue, even though you're asymptomatic, it doesn't mean that your gut is healed because all this was being caused by leaky gut. You know, my, it was leaky gut syndrome mm -hmm. that was happening. And, um, this is where, you know, your body is intolerant to certain foods and it's causing damage to your gut. And if you think about it, like if you have a wound, um, and you keep stabbing that wound, that wound's never going to heal. So it's the same thing with your stomach. If you're intolerant to a food and you keep eating that food, your stomach's never going to heal. You have to remove that food for a period of time. And then 
let your stomach heal and then reintroduce that food. And it's not forever. That's the great thing about food intolerances as opposed to food allergies is that it's only temporary. And then, you know, you're able to enjoy the foods that you may, you know, want to add back again. Um, sometimes I have patients who there are foods that like they're never able to add back. Um, but they're fine with that because it's, they'd rather have that than have the pain that they're dealing with. They feel you know? better. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really interesting. The whole idea of, of food as medicine. I, sometimes I feel like in our, in our culture, in our American culture, which contrasts to sort of your experience with your parents who would go out and get the, the leaves in the backyard in the American culture, we often are like, what is the medicine? What right. is the, what is the drug? What is the prescription? Right. Um, and uh, food presents so much opportunity for, for healing. Right. I think this has been um, brought up recently, especially in the news in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic and, um, and how, how food can help with fighting the pandemic. Right. And I thought, um, what, what, you know, what, what thoughts do you have about that, that claim that how does, how can food, how can food help us? <laughs> I mean, food in general, food and nutrition, it's always been important. And we know food is energy. Um, it's needed for our very existence. How we eat and the quality of the foods that we eat, we eat is very important. The more nutrient dense a food is, the more vitamins and minerals you are consuming or antioxidants, if you want to call them that. And basically all the good stuff that you need for your body to do what it needs to do and for your immune system to do what it does. You know, people often think of vitamin C as the only vitamin that is good for boosting your immune system, but it's really an overall picture. You know, it's vitamin C, it's vitamin D, you know, vitamin A. So basically having good a good diet um, consuming nutrient-dense foods, very colorful foods, is going to help support your immune system. So that's the first place to start, right? If we're having um, a good diet, we're going to have our body's going to be balanced in the way that it should be balanced. And, um, you know, having a good immune system is going to prevent us from contracting different conditions and not having diabetes and high blood pressure and um, uh, other cardiovascular diseases. So what happens if you are already eating really poorly or if you have diabetes? Can you benefit from changing your diet like today? Yeah, you, you definitely can. Now, you know, first and foremost, you want to make sure that you're following all the recommendations that they have out there for preventing yourself from getting COVID-19, um, especially if you are someone who is in an at-risk category. And then so with that being said, if your numbers are not stable, your diabetes is out of control, your blood pressure is out of control, you have other conditions, you may be obese, um, you know, first thing first is getting your numbers stabilized. So finding an expert, a registered dietitian such as myself, speaking to your medical um, your doctor, your primary care physician to figure out how to stabilize your numbers, you know, immediately. But there, there have been some studies out there that shows that when you start eating, your body um, immediately starts showing um, a response to the good foods that you're now feeding it. That's really interesting. What, what kinds mm -hmm. of response? Well, I mean, physiologically, of course, your body is going to start 
receiving the nutrients that it needs. So if your blood sugars were, were spiking because you were, you know, you're a constant soda drinker and, um, you stopped drinking soda, you would see that response where your body is no longer, your blood sugars are no longer spiking because you're no longer drinking the, the basically no nutrient soda that you were consuming. (laughs) (laughs) Is soda even a food? No, no, but it is for some, especially here in Georgia. In Georgia, some people will swear by soda. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about your experience as a Haitian American and as a dietitian and what you what you hope to see change in the field of dietetics and in our um, education around nutrition and food. Right. So, you know, being a Haitian American, um, I am a black person. I'm a black dietitian and we are the minority. We're like 2.3% of the whole dietetics population in the United States. So that's not a lot at all. So when someone is looking for a dietitian to um, speak with, a lot of people want to see somebody that looks like them, someone who they feel like will understand their cultural background, their financial capabilities and whatnot. And not everyone's able to understand that language. Us dietitians, we're not usually the ones that are doing a lot of the um, research that is out there where um, our recommendations are coming from. Our recommendations are coming from research that is done. But typically the research is being done um, on studies who, on on, um, the people who are in the studies, I should say, are usually white people. They're not black. And because of that, the information and recommendations that are designed they don't help our population because they're not specific to us. So BMI, for instance, is an example that I can I can use. Um, oftentimes, we have categorizations of BMI 18.5 to 24.9 is what we call um, normal weight, and over 25 and over is deemed as um, overweight, and 30 and above is obese, right? And so... BMI doesn't really look at a person's uh, body composition. It looks at your weight versus your height. And it was really, it was designed by this white guy back in the day. It didn't take any consideration of anything that has to do with our how our body's designed. So, I mean, this, what I'm saying, it really transcends to any race. But with us specifically, as black people, we're a little bit voluptuous, you know, our bodies are made differently. So you can't look at someone and automatically say based on their height and their weight that they are unhealthy. Um, you may have to run some tests. You may have to look at their body composition to see how much muscle versus fat mass that they have, what their um, laboratory uh, results are looking like um, to be able to say this person is unhealthy. You see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the standards sort of were determined based on averages within a specific population, a white population. Right. And, and when it comes to food, if you're telling a black American, you know, don't eat, um, don't cook a certain way. Some of the stuff is cultural. Like it's, it's, it's embedded in us. There's different ways that you can have someone, um, keep their culture and still be healthy. And not, you know, remove or deny the cult, their culture and who they are. Yeah. 
And I think that's a nice segue into ask for into me asking you a little bit about your podcast. Can you tell us about your podcast? Well, um, Kim Rose, who's my co-host, she and I, um, I would say early last year, 2019, we linked up again because we've known each other since school um, at Florida State. And we linked up and we were like, we need to do something different because there's a lot of information out there for um, people on nutrition, but there's not a lot of us doing it. And I like to use the old Jordan Peele quote. Us okay. as in black, black Americans. I like to use like the Jordan Peele um, quote that he said. He was like, you know, when he created his movies, it's because it was like he's seen that movie over and over again. So it's basically the same thing of we've seen this before mm-hmm. and it's not like we're not in it. And so we were like, OK, mm-hmm. so we needed to create a podcast that kind of basically spoke to our um, community but then wasn't only for our community. So we wanted to educate yeah. white folks and black folks alike, but we wanted the information to be so that black, the black community and minority community would get a lot out of it. You know, we're gearing it towards the my, um, millennial women. And um, our podcast is called Nutrition Lifestyles with, with Kim and Joanne. And, you know, Basically, it's on nutrition, it's on lifestyle, it's on current events that are going on related to health. We break things down. We break health information down. Um, we have guests on, on there that are experts who speak about health um, expertise that Kim and I may not have. And, you know, we have fun with it. So we're not stuffy. It's not all science um, talk. You know, we break it down yeah. to layman's terms yeah. so everyone can understand what we're saying. Um, and it's fun. And I, I, we love doing it. We really do. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. And can you give us um, some of the, the recent podcast titles that you've done? You have very catchy titles. We do have very catchy titles. We're season two. <laughs> was it season two? Like we had like um, uh, there was like an article that came out. I can't remember what magazine it came out on um, on online. And it was talking about like white food versus black food. Like people were like, I don't eat that. That's white food. You hear clients tell you that all the time. You're like, okay, have you tried cauliflower? Would you like to substitute like (laughs) cauliflower rice for rice? And they're like, uh, that's white people food. And so you're like, okay. So (laughs) some people see some food like as white people food and some foods as like black people food. So we had two actually different episodes where we called them. Um, I can't even remember the exact titles, but it was like something to do with white people food. And then, and what about black people food? So we had, um, something on that and those did really well. People loved the topic. We talked about intuitive eating. We had an expert on, on our podcast to speak in regards to that. So people can understand. And then we talk about, um, some taboos that we have in the black community that they're not talked about. We talk about eating disorders, um, you know, that's not something that is often spoken about in the black community, but we, it, it happens. It happens, especially now um, in the modern times that we're living, you see more uh, people of Afro descent um, than you did before having eating disorders and um, issues with food and their body um, and body positivity. We've spoken about that as well. So I realized throughout this whole discussion, we didn't really talk much about how you're a mother <laughs> you're I a mother am. of <laughs> yeah can can you share a little bit about your family and how 
um, how they impact your work. It sounds like you have um, one of your one of your children also has food intolerances. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, you 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 are very active on social media. You're constantly posting uh, cooking cooking in your kitchen and um, you know what you be. serve your family. It's um, yeah. I'm just want curious if you can tell us a little bit more about your family and how that impacts your work. I try to be very active um, on social media, but for other moms out there, they know it is hard to be able to post every day or post every week and create the content. So I have four boys ranging from nine years old to nine months. I have a little one and I'm just now getting back into it because I'm getting more sleep now because I'm I'm breastfeeding. And um, now that he's eating food, I'm able to sleep a little bit more at night. So that helps. And so, you know, people often think, oh my goodness, she's a dietitian. So her kids, they have to eat perfect or her husband must love what she cooks, which he does. He does love what I cook. (laughs) But, you know, people just often think (laughs) like my house is all like raw veggies and, you know, da, 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 da. You know, first and foremost, I'm a Haitian American, a black woman. I love food, so we eat good food. And my kids are kids. They don't Your food care always my looks title so is. delicious. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But my kids, kids don't care what you do, who you are. They are picky eaters, and that's who they are. They don't want to eat certain foods. They're not going to eat it. You have to use different tricks of the trade. I know what to do most of the time. But oftentimes, I'm doing this, having the same battles that um, other moms are having with you know getting their kids to eat. So um, because of the fact that I'm now uh, able to create a little bit more content than I was after I just had my baby, I'm revamping my YouTube page um, and I'm going to have it where I'm including more of the things that my kids and I do. So it's going to be Joanne Falman um, Nutrition Wellness Lifestyle is what it's going to be titled. Joanne Falman Nutrition we'll Wellness Lifestyle. We'll include the links with the with the with the podcast and on, sure. the, on the mothership profile too. We'll, we'll include all your yes. links. Yes, that would be awesome. And I'm going to have basically information on there where I'm doing normal, like educating folks on nutrition and dietetics. And I'm going to have cooking stuff where I'm cooking by myself, cooking with my kids, doing different things. I started a garden. That's what COVID-19, um, you know, caused me to do. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to be, uh, less, uh, uh, dependent and more self-sufficient so i finally started my garden so we I'm did be doing too a lot of but that. it was mostly because we were looking for like something to do that felt like really productive during really COVID-19. really so yours 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 was i was all about survival i was like okay You're i don't know where this survival. is going <laughs> i we need to survive let me put all the stuff that i know we like to eat i was like potatoes you can survive off of potatoes forever. So I, I got potatoes, you know, I got greens, I got tomatoes, I got eggplants, I got herbs. So I have as many things as I could in my little, and I mean, it's not little, I have a, a pretty decent sized backyard. But prior to this, I started a garden before and I wasn't successful because I didn't really nurture it. I was so busy. We were out the house all the time. So now being at home, you know, that gave me the time to be able to nurture my garden. So I'm going to have a lot of that on my um so you're gonna teach people how to how to nurture their garden and then I'm make the try. food from the garden in your right. kitchen with your right. kids right exactly so i'm gonna be doing a lot of that it's gonna be fun sounds wonderful
Thank you so much, Joanne, and thank you all for listening. You can find more information about Joanne, her work, her podcast, and her YouTube channel on the Mothership website, www.ourmothership.org. This is Friends with Health Benefits. Thank you.